It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No Three test matches starting on the same day. An absolute joy. The rain holds up Sri Lanka and New Zealand in Colombo. The Indian middle order gets the top order out of trouble in Antigua. And the English archer wins the day at Agincourt. Sorry, Headingley. And yet again, we fail to take concussion quite seriously enough. Back from hiatus, this is the Gorilla Cricket Podcast. We're back, gentle listener. This is the Gorilla Cricket Podcast, the weekly podcast from your favourite uh, independent cricket commentary service, the world-leading independent cricket commentary service. We come to you live from GC Towers, minutes after the close of play on day one of the third test at Headingley. We are recording on the 22nd of August, August 2019. I am Nakalem Pandey, your host, and I am joined by uh, people of great experience, wisdom, and wit, uh, to my left, Tony Bishop at Tony Bishop One. Hello again, Knuckle. And to his left, real Fred Janaway, not on Twitter. Hello, listeners. So, 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 a feast of Test cricket. I do love these uh, these periods where you get three or four Test matches going on simultaneously. And there's the America's round of uh, of the World T20 qualifier. And there's the T20 blast. And there's County Championship going on. It's a veritable feast of cricket. And the Super League, of course. Uh, there is there is more cricket than we can shake a stick out, and trust me, we here at Gorilla Cricket have a very large shaking stick. And what could go wrong with so much cricket on? Uh, if only it, it would stay dry for for all these matches. Rain, that's what can go wrong. Yes, it's been dry enough in the south. It's uh, it's uh, the north that's uh, taken it. Well, Unfortunately, that's where the uh, well the the quite quite a bit further south in Colombo. It's raining quite a lot oh, today. That's yes. very true, yeah. We lost the entire first session uh, between Sri Lanka and New Zealand. Sri Lanka one 0 up in the series. We'll talk a little bit about uh, that series. It was a very fine win for Sri Lanka in the first testing goal after New Zealand looked to set Sri Lanka a very challenging fourth innings total. B J Watling yet again being thoroughly impressive 
for New Zealand. But Demuth Karanaratna, what a couple of years he's had. Absolutely, and he made runs again in, uh, in this match. Uh, fantastic century in the first. Um, he's looking excellent. He didn't have a bad World Cup either. And I think the captaincy, he's obviously taken to like a duck to water. Sometimes it improves your batting, and it uh, looks like he might be one of them. Yeah, the, is the issue for him in the World Cup was uh, he, he tended to slow down a bit, and wickets then started falling around him, didn't they? There was a couple of times when he posted scores, but uh, things fell about around his ears. Yeah, I mean, he's not a naturally aggressive player. He's a, He's someone who can bat long, and he has done in Test cricket over the last couple of years. You know, we've talked a little bit about... Um, or some people have talked about, you know, the death of gritty test batsmen, but he would certainly fall into that category. And, you know, playing in turning conditions oftentimes in goal, and he scored runs uh, away from home uh, all over the world. And, yeah, he did have a pretty good World Cup, but, you know, he doesn't have the range of stroke to necessarily uh, bat aside out of trouble in those conditions. Sri Lanka were never going to do that well in this World Cup. Probably they outperformed. I heard Nirishan Dequela before the start of this test match praising Karanaratna's different uh, captaincy. I think he's a lot more proactive. He's a lot more switched on than... Uh, some Sri Lankan captains of, of of recent vintage, you think of Angelo Matthews and his tendency to let the game drift every now and again. But yes, uh, 49 not out today in the second test uh, with uh, Tiramani on two not out, or getting uh, out for two, and Kasal Mendes getting out for 32. Uh, Sri Lanka uh, finished 85 for two in the 36.3 overs that were possible on uh, day one. They made that chase in the first test at Gaul look very easy. Well, you look round and they're 130 for none. And up until that point, a brilliant match, by the way, with lots of similar scores, 250-odd. I think 30 runs difference in the whole match in the end between the four scores um, of both teams. But when you're 130 for none chasing, you think, well, this is perfect. What a platform. You're not going to stuff it up there. Um, New Zealand, didn't they go for three seamers, uh, three spinners, sorry, in the first they match? Did. And they did. Trimmed that down to two so with the Grandom coming in they for this, this guy, game. William Somerville, who... Yes. Uh, I have to admit I'd never heard yeah. of and that's quite rare for me but I'd never heard of him uh, and also alongside him Jazz Patel so two old spinners and it, it seems to be the thing now since England got it right on their last tour to Sri Lanka teams are rocking up going right where are our spinners you know didn't Gareth yeah. Batty go to Bangladesh on, the, on that yeah. tour as well so you're going it doesn't matter how old they are we need spinners and, and quickly yeah um, William Edgar Richard Somerville has uh, played uh, two tests both away from home 35 uh, years old as you say, and uh, Ajaz Patel, who took an excellent fifer in uh, in the first innings uh, of that test match. I think he took the first five wickets uh, to fall uh, for New Zealand. The uh, the left arm spinner. He's uh, he's thirty years old, so he's not an old man by any uh, by any manner of means. Uh, he uh, yeah took five for forty one. Sorry, took five for eighty nine in the uh, uh, in the first innings. Um, yeah, he contributes. They both put a shift in Santner looked like the weak link and I was actually surprised he was picked for the first test uh, Colin de Granholm has come in to replace him and I wonder at test level if Santner's really threatening enough he does uh, bowl very economically of course and he's a brilliant white ball bowler but I was surprised I know three spinners and all that we've just said but I thought Colin could have been played in that yeah. first test I can see it condition specific in you know, Mitchell Santner with his ability to as you say be very economical he his spell in the World Cup semi-final was absolutely brilliant against India his ability to bowl the six balls in the same place getting there with slightly different uh, paces slightly different flights slightly different amounts of drift slightly different amounts of turn that can be very useful on a turning track but he didn't bowl particularly well Sri Lanka played him well and yes Colin de Grandom's come in for him probably adds a bit more of the bat Colin de Grandom as well than Mitchell Santner certainly a much more aggressive player and yeah de Grandom has taken one of the wickets he got uh, the potentially dangerous Kassal Mendes I'm nibbling outside our stump caught by BJ Watling the main thing about this series now has to be Akila Dananjaya being 
pulled well, from the second match. Again. Again. Now, and he obviously took five wickets in that uh, and blew that innings open for Sri Lanka. And this is, this is a turning point in the series. I know it's only a two-match series, but with him suddenly taken out... Uh, it throws a bit of a shadow over the result in some ways. I I'm not saying he was chucking it in that match, but he really was the difference in that innings mm. and uh, was the reason perhaps why yeah, New Zealand no, couldn't win. We, we should say, of course, that Akila Dhananjaya and Kane Williamson, who was also banned from bowling, have not yet been tested. They actually are perfectly allowed to bowl at this point because the testing hasn't happened yet, but Sri Lanka, as they did in England when Akila Dhananjaya was called for a... or rather was... Uh, Doubts were cast over his action. Have pulled him out of the limelight. I, I can understand why uh, they did that. You know, Sri Lanka do have a lot of spinners. Dhruvan Pereira has come back into this test match. He was an excellent spin bowler. Um, but it's a shame for Akila Dhananjaya. I like watching him bowl a lot. I think he's a very good bowler. Was criminally overlooked for the World Cup squad. Um, and, you know, I hope that he is able, uh, from a personal level, I hope he is able to either prove that his uh, his bowling is within the limit or get his bowling back in with the limit and with that level same effectiveness that he had before. I was slightly surprised he was pulled in the end, actually. Like you said, they have 14 days, I think it is, where they can continue bowling before the tests happen and, and they get properly looked at. He is an exciting bowler. He's got the leg break and the off break. He's very difficult to categorise. And the googly very... and the carom ball. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, a proper mystery spinner perhaps yeah a little bit like in the like Mujib for Afghanistan and all with a very similar action I've never seen anything personally in his action that would arouse suspicions for me front of the hand he, he's got that ball as well yeah isn't he? and it's, I think it's quite difficult to throw the ball actually when you're bowling kind of out the fingers out the front of the hand he's not someone like Saeed Ajmal who does put a lot of wrist and elbow into the ball there is I've something else sorry go on, so, go on Tony I was just going to say well we've both been watching Mujib pretty close up uh, in during his uh, T20 spell with Middlesex, and we've certainly not seen anything about his bowling that uh, looked remotely dodgy to me. No, there's been nothing ever cast against against Mojib, who bowls very much everything out of the front of the hand. Almost bowls a little bit like a seamer at times. He, in fact, he bowls that arm ball that is basically a, a, a seamer's uh, delivery. But uh, yeah, um, certainly, I wish Akila Dunn and Jaya well. Um, I personally never get that exercised about chucking, or uh, it, I don't think it's a. Some people see it as a moral failing or cheating or of some kind. You know, at worst, I think it's a technical issue with someone's bowling action, um, which can be remedied. Well, it can, um, and like you said, he's been called before, and Williamson's been called before a couple of example. times. Yes, it'll, oh, ma it'll matter less for Williamson because he does. He's proper part timer, really. But um, and they were never going to pull him out of the the team for similar no, reasons but, um, didn't score any runs in the uh, in the first test got uh, a duck and four obviously that contributing um, in no small part to uh, to Sri Lanka's uh, win but it's not all down to to one man Ross Taylor scored some runs in that test match as did BJ Watling I'm a little bit I, I like Sri Lanka and I, I th I'm really glad they had a better World Cup than people uh, were predicting uh, but I'm a bit disappointed New Zealand didn't win that test or find a way to do it because never mind the World Test Championship if New Zealand had won this series, I believe they would have gone top of the rankings. Yes. Because the rankings are still a thing, of course. And they would have got the mace. Remember the mace? Yes, indeed, oh. which is currently somewhere in Virat Kohli's coffin. Uh, speaking of which, India and New West Indies started their first World Test Championship games, the first of a three-test uh, series that is being played in the West Indies. Uh, I think it's a three-test series anyway. Let me just... Uh, uh, John, if uh, I am wrong, two, please cut actually. this. It is a two-test series, it's you're right. It's two. It's Antigua and then they go to... Jamaica. Uh, to Jamaica. Yes, uh, India, uh, that test is still going on. There's been a little bit of rain 
uh, there as well. Uh, so partway through the second session, India are 140 for uh, four. They were in a bit of trouble uh, earlier on. They lost a couple of wickets very early to Kemal Roach, who got Mayank Agarwal and Chateshwar Pujar with absolute beauties. And then uh, Shannon Gabriel got one to lift on Virat Kohli, who steered it uh, to uh, Shamar Brooks, who's making his test debut uh, in the gully. And then uh, Roston Chase got... Uh, KL Rahul, but Ajinkya Rahane is going well on 57 not out and Hanuman Vihari on 19 not out. Why am I giving you uh, live updates of a game uh, that will have moved on a pace by the time you listen to this uh, tonight or tomorrow? I, but I don't, I don't know, but I am. Uh, uh, yeah, India going in with just the one spinner. Jadeja playing as the sole spinner, going in with the uh, going in with the three fast bowlers. Ishant Sharma, Mohammad Shami, and Jaspreet Bumrah. A little bit of disappointment for a lot of people that Raheem Cornwall, the big yeah. uh, off-spinning all-rounder, didn't debut for the West Indies. They've gone in with an all-pace uh, attack plus Roston Chase. It's interesting, and I think back to the beginning of the year when England were out in uh, in the Caribbean, and that pitch was really spicy in in the Viv Richards Stadium. Denley was there hopping around. I don't think that was his debut but it was one of his very early matches and we thought poor old Denley having to play on this it might be why they thought spin was slightly useless on on that pitch chase will do a job has already taken a wicket so I think we might see Cornwall in Jamaica I think there's been a lot of hype about him a larger than life character and I hope that he turns turns up uh, in the second act he has an outstanding first class record with bat and ball uh, as we're taking wickets in uh, by the hatful in uh, in West Indies first class uh, cricket and um, along with Jamel Warrican absolutely destroyed the England Lions when they were in uh, the West Indies Didn't a few years ago. Around him. I'll tell you something that, that is quite interesting in the context of the World uh, Test Championship is that of course if you've got two two test series it creates quite a distorted view of the table if let's say one team wins 2-0 in both those series they'll suddenly have 120 points whereas England will probably have finished three test matches and um, they'll have, a, they, 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 or, or, or indeed Australia, they'll have only been able to get to 60-odd points given the way that the, 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 the points are distributed. I think it's a very good point. Well, well, a reminder of how the test championship works. It's 120 points up for grabs in each series, yeah. regardless of the length of the series. Exactly. So you adjust the number of points per test yeah. based on the... Uh, uh, based on the basically you divide 120 by how many tests there are in a series and that's how many points there are available for a test a third of that is for a draw half of that is for a tie nothing uh, for a loss that's a bit like giving Manchester City extra points for every game they play <laughs> well <laughs> and not, ju- and not just the that there know? is an argument to be made that it might actually change um, some of the way the pitches are prepared I'm thinking of that tour to Bangladesh again when it was turning absolutely square and England couldn't do anything if there are going to be these two test series where it's 60 points a test, teams like Sri Lanka and Bangladesh might think, well, let's have them then. Let's, let's put, an, put an absolute Bunsen burner on. Mm. I'm all and for that. Yeah, well, it might make it more exciting, but I think Tony's point was, is it really fair on other teams playing on well, total graveyard well, pitches over two for five years, matches? Over two years, possibly it is. And, and you know, everyone talks about context. You know, I'm not anti the idea in any way, shape or form. I think it's quite a brave one and I think it's quite an interesting one. Um, all I'm saying is, in a comparatively short term, it gives the table a very distorted sure. view. Just because you're, you're comparing apples with oranges. Sure, and it, it's a little bit like it's more like a team having a game in hand, a mm. bunch of game in hand, games in hand early at the start of the season. You know, the, there's no point looking at the table at this stage. It's a little bit like you know, in football, don't look at the table till November basically because it tells you nothing 
uh, at this stage. And, you know, we still have the context of an indiv individual test match and an individual series, and we've seen an excellent test match in Gaul. We've seen two very good test matches uh, in uh, at Edgbaston and at Lords. Uh, potentially a very good one shaping up here at Headingley and you know let's hope for a good one in Antigua as well there hasn't really I think apart from the Boxing Day test of the last Ashes I can't remember a bad test for the last three or four years oh it's years. been fantastic and the World Cup was pretty good by the way wasn't yes it, it was um, and the World T20 I just hope I, I take your point Knuckle about it. it might make the cricket more exciting I just hope teams like New Zealand and Pakistan don't turn around and say well we'll only play two tests then because it loads the points onto those matches. I mean, that might happen anyway um, for the reasons that... I mean, it's happening a little bit in New Zealand well, the because... The tour schedules pretty it, much locked it just Yeah, you have a little bit of much about that. We don't want to be in a position where we're, we're getting less test cricket. No, for sure. Yeah. Um, or you might get more frequent but shorter series. Mm. Um, and everyone has to play six of the eight teams uh, in the World Test Championship, which is, with my cynical head on, which is put in there so India don't have to play Pakistan and they don't no. have to have that fight with the Indian government. Well, it's not perfect, the World Test Championship, but it's new, we have to try and embrace it. Um, and yeah, I, th I think, like it. you said, Knuckle, when we look at the table in a year or, or a year and a quarter, we might have a day like today where we've got two or three matches running at the same time around the world, and we're going, oh, it's raining in Colombo, which might affect how South, mm -hmm. Af South Africa are playing down in Cape Town. We start going to, again, using a football analogy, the last day of the season. Well, you get that in Hel helicopter day, yeah. as they call it. Well, where's the trophy going exactly? I know there's a final in Lords, and that's where the trophy will be. But it, we get it in county cricket, and when it gets really exciting, you think, "Help! They're off in Durham, and another wicket's fallen in Gloucester." And there's that fabulous end to the county championship season three years ago. Three years ago, now was it? Are you talking about Middlesex? Where Middlesex, Somerset, and Yorkshire went into the last round, and I think even into the last day, all with a chance of winning the championship. That's very true. I know exactly where I was. Don't get me on that. It'll be a three-hour podcast, and that's all I'll talk about. And, and famously, <laughs> what happened, Tony? We all know what happened. Declara got, declaration I bowling happened, and that could happen in the Test Championship. Imagine if two teams don't need a draw. It's in neither interest. My, my two wonderful friends and I managed to get through four bottles of champagne in just over 20 minutes. I know that. It, um, was, that it was that kind of day all <laughs> round. I, uh, it was quite I, found, I, I, went, I went to the tavern after work that day and uh, uh, had to be basically... Uh, escorted out with a stern word along with everyone else who was trying to linger on long yeah, after the tavern had fun. closed. It was yeah, one of those moments fun. where I was jumping up, shouting at the TV with joy, and if only Tony Bishop had been next to me like he was but for the I World Cup there. final, I would well, have jumped as on it, him. As, as, it, as, as it turns out, Tony and I were both in the tavern that night. We didn't, didn't know, know each other We didn't know each other at the time. There no, we go. didn't. I was chatting to Tim Bresman for quite a chunk of the evening, which was uh, also good fun. Oh, what a lovely man. Anyway, we'll see how the World Test Championship goes. I, I think we just have to try and embrace it. I've already got used to the numbers on the show. I like it. Yeah. yeah. I like it. Um, you know, from a, from a selfish point of view as, as ball-by-ball -ball commentators, you know, anything that makes players more identifiable is great. Um, I like the aesthetic differences that they've all got. I think New Zealand's look very sharp in the, in the black. I like the typeface design they've gone for. India's look quite good. I love the West Indies and Maroon. They look excellent. It's just the Aussies letting the side down, really, aren't they? About brash. Bottle, I, bottle green numbers. Well, exactly. I'm really not sure why there's even a debate about it. I mean, that falls into the category to me of life's just too short. There's too much else to worry about. It doesn't fundamentally alter the cricket in any way, shape, or form. Just makes it helps people who perhaps are new to the game to better identify the players that are out Absolutely. there. It can only work in the game's favour. Why does anyone yeah. care to make an issue of it? I it's really you know, you know, stupid. You know, why wouldn't you, as a kid, want a Virat 18 shirt or a Route 66 test shirt? Absolutely. That's great. People, seeing people walking around with those would be great. Is there a reason why Virat's 18? Do we know that? Uh, I, well, 
I mean, it's his one day number. Yeah. Um, he's had it for a long time, and it's kind of associated with his brand now. With his brand. So, you know, this has been happening in one day cricket for a long time. You know, players build up an association with a number. You're like, Tendulkar was 10 for a, for years. Dhoni was 7 for years. Is there a number well, 10 well, now? Murali was 800 and something. Wasn't I think he? they've it retired was. it. it was just they've retired it because someone, <laughs> Shardul Thakur did briefly have number 10 for India. And they said, hang and, on. And they said, hang on a second. So they've unofficially retired the number. Perhaps Mason Crane could get a, sh- a test shirt with one on the back. <laughs> uh, yeah, it could be. Um, we, uh, what I would like to see is that those numbers get made public longer before the test happens because you kind of find out when the test match starts, which isn't, which isn't ideal. Uh, but yeah, I, I, think, I think I see it as the same way I do the West World Test Championship. How can it possibly hurt? It can't hurt. It can't hurt. Um, Isaiah is merely observing. It creates, because of the, 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 the different structure of the, the series, um, it will create a distorted picture up, right up until the denouement when everyone has played pretty much the similar amounts of yeah, test cricket. For sure. And, you know, in an ideal world, everyone would play the same number of tests. In an ideal world, all 12 test nations would be... You know, actually, in an ideal world, from my point of view, you'd have divisional test cricket right the way down to uh, the lowest-ranked af- associate member well, that have promotion of relegation. That but I think we're yet, a way off that. That could yet come in the future. So it might be that this is a stepping stone to that. Um, which would be great. Yeah, uh, proper merit- meritocratic test cricket. I'd love that. What are you suggesting? We might even think about promotion and relegation. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, look... If and you then l- embrace... Sorry. If you look over to football, we had the invention of the Nations League, did they call it? And yes. uh, we, ha- we got to read those wonderful words, Germany have been relegated. <laughs> and <laughs> so it could happen yeah, in cricket. L- l- the Nations League was, an, again, an experiment worth trying. Yeah, I don't think absolutely. anyone can possibly say that they didn't prefer that to international friendlies. It's no, all I about, when right. we talk about the battle between bat and ball and it being fair and getting good pitches, it's, it's the same one I checked Crick Info the other day. It was Finland playing Spain. Yes. And I thought I would have watched that because it's two evenly matched teams. Well, this is the other thing. Uh, why isn't this stuff televised more? We saw uh, the European Cricket League got a lot of traction around the world, which is a club tournament which I think a lot of people missed at the time. A club tournament, Pavel Florin, the Romanian player from Cluj, who travels 500 kilometres to play. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and you know, become a celebrity yes, in the Yes, has put a lot of funding, a lot of money and time and passion into Romanian cricket. You know, became a celebrity and a, and a worldwide celebrity off the back of that. That's because someone put the energy into televising it, uh, not just on the internet, which, was, which is great in itself, uh, but on various TV channels around the world with proper production values, commentators, scoreboards, multi-camera angles, stats. They put it, did a really good job of televising that, and I fail to see how that can be bad for the game. No. And, um, and there's a lot of cricket around the world where that's not the case. You know, World Cricket League Division 2, as it is, as it used to be, the level of one-day international cricket below the, um, below the sort of World Cup qualifying teams, no coverage anywhere. No coverage of the World T20 we're, qualifying we're always, round. We always talk in guerrilla cricket, don't we? As we say, you know, we, t- we talk about having done, uh, fr- actually from the ground, as it were, from the, 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 the stadium. Um, Ireland and Pakistan, of course, which we did, which was magnificent. Um, West Indies and the West of the World from Lords, mm-hmm. which of course we did, which was magnificent. But we always forget, we did a third international game. We did Iceland against the MCC correct let's not forget correct. we did that uh, but, uh, okay it may have been Bushy Park but I'll tell you it was still an international sh- for sure um, yeah. you know not um, you know Iceland are not uh, an affiliate member an associate no. member of the ICC yet Indeed. affiliate membership doesn't exist anymore which makes it harder for teams like Iceland to get going and new countries getting into cricket but nevertheless you're absolutely right um, and you know the oldest international rivalry in cricket was played today the USA versus Canada which is taking place in the Americas round of the uh 
uh, the World T20 qualifiers. It's just yeah, amazing, I isn't fell it? for that one straight away. There's so much cricket played, and it really is about marketing it right, isn't it? And, and, and covering it correctly and bringing it to the people, if that's not it too cliché. Uh, we had sat in this chair that I'm sat in last night, a man who did that historically and brought uh, Test Cricket to free-to-air on Channel 4. And uh, look at... Uh, it did help, of course, that it was a magnificent test series in 2005 and, yeah. and the but, result went but, but remember, they've been covering cric test cricket in England for a few years they before had, that. They had indeed. And, uh, yeah, and that was that was all down to him. So um, we do need more of that. You know, to, to, um, to paraphrase uh, a noted baseball film, if you watch it, if you, sorry, if you televise it, they will come. Indeed, they will. Shoeless Joe Jackson and all. Uh, so moving on from that in our dreams of a meritocratic, globally televised and, uh, and streamed world cricket calendar uh, to the man who made the headlines today uh, with his uh, sixfa. Uh, and uh, we'll actually go back a little bit uh, for uh, this man uh, to his uh, very first uh, mark in the wickets column in test cricket. Uh, the man who made uh, such an impact for England at the World Cup and is now uh, doing what he's been doing in Red Bull cricket on the international stage. Oh, now that's a good shout and that's been out. That's a fucking good ball. Archer kept a little bit low. Bancroft on the back foot. Nips back in. Beats inside. It's probably hit him in line with off stump. Maybe just inside the line. It's going to take middle and off middle. It's going to be quite hard on the stumps but haven't been given out. I can't see that going over the top. Nips back. Hits him in line and is... Yes, umpire's called on middle stump. <laughs> oh, but uh, the umpire was correct, Alan Dar gets a decision, one of his 70% rather than his 30 and uh, got him, Archer gets his maiden test wicket, well done sir, 60 for 2 Australia. A little bit of a dig at the most experienced umpire in test cricket there from our friend Nigel the Bear Walker, but Joffre Archer, 5 wickets in the first test and 6 uh, for 45 in 17.1 overs with three maidens today on the first day at Headingley blew the game open with the wicket of uh, David Warner uh, I think four of his wickets were basically unplayable it's going to be difficult this because um, there are no words left to describe how good this guy is I've never been more excited by a cricketer I've, I've never seen a better debut than the one he made at Lord's and I think he's got absolutely everything as a bowler. We saw him take all of the pressure of that last over in the World Cup and he gave England a real edge in every match that he bowled in. And he's doing it again already in the Test team. Now, we've known about Joffre Archer, but have we, did we really know he was going to be this good so quickly? And I think Sussex fans would tell yeah, you yes. I was I about to say Sussex fans would definitely tell you that they knew exactly what they were expecting of him. Don't forget, he's taken... Played 29 first-class matches, taken 136 wickets at roundabout just a shade over 23. Uh, Sussex, Sussex spectators and supporters, they already they had a pretty good handle what England were getting. I saw him bowl down at Hove. I was a, a, a bit drunk by by 6 p.m. in the evening, and I thought, oh, he looks good. He looks handy, and I've seen highlights of him. And yeah. I thought he he looks like the real deal, but I never knew he was going to be quite that quick 96 miles an hour at Lords and I never knew he was going to make that big an impact and I almost had this feeling yes Sussex fans will be will shouting we've, we've known this all along but I had a feeling where I thought where's he been has he been hiding a little bit how how has a player that's this good gone under the radar a little bit it may be because he was ineligible and that may have kind of preserved him in aspic a little bit and he's now burst on the scene as it were 
Uh, that may have even helped him not get injured as well. A three-year overnight success. Yeah. Well, exactly. And suddenly he's here and he's not, not only achieved everything that was asked of him, but he's surpassed it. He's, he's, he's absolutely incredible. It's and inc- I, I don't know what else to say it's about him. It's very <laughs> rare that you see someone come into test cricket and look so fully formed. And well, but, yeah, but, but, but again, again, he's done the hard your overnight success. He's not such an overnight. Exactly, he's not an overnight success. He um, he chose to took the, the the wise move to come play for Sussex. His friend Chris Jordan um, helped pave the way to do that. And by the way, that was a lovely he, moment at Lords where Chris oh, Jordan presented him his chest cap on real, Archer's request. It was Mother Cricket and in, in its uh, its kind of family sense. Um, Delivering, yeah, something quite, quite special, and certainly very special for both of them. Yeah, it was, it was, it was beautifully done. But no, he's he's not an overnight success. He has done the hard yard for for Sussex. Anyone who watched him bowl for Sussex will know um, what a package he is. And um, you know, anyone who's surprised just just hasn't been following the county game. Uh, absolutely, um, you know, he's been a one man highlights really in county cricket. I think the county championship Twitter account does a very good job of. Uh, pulling out highlights and spectacular moments and getting those shared around. You know, you've been seeing him knock stumps out with big booming inswingers and unplayable yeah. Yorkers uh, and taking absurd catches and runners. We haven't even seen what he can do in the field yet. We've not seen what he can do with the bat yet. All of those things uh, that come into play. We haven't seen the best of Joffrey Archer yet by a long shot. And just, you know, people have talked about his run-up. I, got the, I was watching him very closely when I was at the England-Afghanistan game during the World Cup. I think he's actually shortened his run-up since then. He's taken a couple of those walk-up-to-his-mark steps uh, out of his game. But on run-ups, you look at... Archer can't yet be classed in this category because he's only, this is only his second Test match. But you look at the four best um, fast bowlers in the world at the moment in Test cricket. James Anderson, Pat Cummins, Jasprit Boomer and Kahisa Rabada. All of whom have very different, very distinctive run-ups. You know, Anderson has that, it's slightly more classical, but he's exaggeratedly side-on and ends up sort of, uses that front arm as a rudder and ends up sort of looking slightly over his shoulder, almost towards cover as he bowls. He has that, everything curves away. Bumrah, again, the first five steps are just walking up to his mark, uh, and then it's a couple of stutters, but then he's absolutely perfect at the crease, powers through the crease, not a huge gather. Pat Cummins probably has the biggest gather, maybe Anderson, but Cummins slightly rock side to side, a bit more front on, has that slight angled approach to the crease, hits the crease pretty hard. And then Archer, there is not there is not a jewel of energy wasted in Joffrey Archer's run-up. It's everything you want as a fast bowler. The strides lengthen. He accelerates towards the crease. He doesn't waste any energy jumping. He transfers his momentum through the crease towards the batsman. He has that beautiful hit rotation which drives him through his action. And it means that he can bowl these long spells, as he's done in the county championship. You know, he's bowled 50 overs in a, in a innings before for, uh, for Sussex and hasn't shown any adverse effects. And, and sorry, Kagisa Rabada is the other one I'm talking about. Again... Archer, but a little bit, a slightly longer run-up, very, very rhythmical. Again, up to the crease, that little bit of theatricality because of that little bit longer. But again, just drives through the crease. Former best test bowlers in Test cricket all have very different ways of being utterly brilliant. This is why cricket is great. Well, I tell you what, it creates an interesting challenge for England. Let's say Jimmy Anderson does get himself fully fit. Um, you, you then, you're England's gun bowler. You've taken more. Test wickets than any other seamer for England. 
Um, there, you, you sense there's a bit of a passing of the crown, <laughs> um, but nonetheless, it means England any other seamer than anyone than in Test cricket for any nation. Indeed. So, how do you put him back in? You have to drop Wokes. Well, then you're substantially weakening your batting by doing that. Do you drop a spinner? That's always foolhardy at the latter tail end of a summer. Um, do you drop Broad? <laughs> Who's, no, bo who's, who's bowling, bowling as well as he's bowled. stepped up to the plate, almost coming out in a, to a certain extent, although we know he's always capable of those. those uh, so you have a bit of a conundrum. You might and you're not in a series. Just let me finish the thought. Sorry, Fred, and then I'm straight over to you. It's, if England were 2-0 up, it would be rather different and an easier decision to make. But in a series you have to win, what is now the best mix? If Jimmy steps up, he comes through his second 11 game, he's full fit and firing, Let's say we're going to Old Trafford one all. What do you do? Well, the answer is you probably drop Wokes, but Wokes averages 43 with yeah. the bat in England, yeah. and there's been a lot of people saying he should go up the order yeah. or even open, which is slightly absurd. But if you played Wokes higher up the order and just didn't bowl him, Root hasn't bowl been bowling him that often in this this series anyway. Are He's you suggesting drop last. Joe Denley? Uh, that's where I was in. going. That's yes. where I was I, going. I think I think that is actually. Yeah. a way forward and if you've got the talent and you've got the bowlers you've got to use them you could drop Leach and go all out I think that's attack. a mistake I, that, I, I agree I think that would be a mistake I, and Leach has also been excellent since he's come back in the team at that match and Old Trafford anyway. is, a, is a wicket that aids the spinner and yeah. just in general I don't think it's ever a good idea except in incredibly rare circumstances to go in without a specialist spinner anywhere in the world I think um, you could ask the same question of Curran as well do you really need that sixth sixth bowler it would be the other thing you could do is drop Broad, because he's getting on a bit, because it's back-to-back -back tests. But that's Australia all. have just dropped Siddle. Yes, uh, exactly. But they brought in Patterson. I mean, they've come with arms it's, with, it's a, all with an army of bowlers, And they've got they? Mitchell Stark waiting in the wings if they mm. need him. Yeah. He must be clawing at the, the, the cage doors. Uh, there's, quite, there's a bit of a gap between the third and fourth test. Stuart Broad this year has bowled as well as I've ever seen him bowl Absolutely. in test cricket. He looks incredibly in rhythm. I wouldn't drop Broad. I'd, I'd drop Denley or even Roy. For Anderson, and that it, when he's fit, and that sounds crazy, but it would work. No, I, it, I was, I was, I was sort of trying to perhaps lead you that way. Yeah, you know, there I thought you go. That might be the way <laughs> you were thinking, because that's kind of where my head was going as well. I think I, I wouldn't drop a bowler for a bowler. I wouldn't drop Wokes because I think he just offers you too much. It's, it's the all rounder, really. Uh, 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 next to, of course, Ben Stokes, but um, yep. I'd, uh, I'd look to Wokes to just push his batting a bit and make a few more so runs and sacrifice a bat. This isn't an England selection podcast, but where does that leave Ollie Pope and Dom Sibley? I think it leaves them on the plane to New Zealand and yeah. South Africa. Uh, I, I just think now you can't meddle too much in a national series, even if it's on the line. But throwing two young kids in who haven't really made their way in the team can, is can, can I throw you uh, Mr. IJL Trot, who came in for his test debut at the end of the 2009 series? scored 100 and won England the Ashes. If you think that Ollie Pope and Dom Sibley or whoever it might be is the best option, you play them, don't you? I don't really understand what's going on with Jason Roy. Everyone said before he played for against Ireland and in between the second and third tests that Jason Roy is going to bat in the middle order. So why isn't he? I, I think there's a lot of, of muddled thinking with the selectors and I think it's been there all year. Maybe, maybe even further back than that. And I think the outgoing the coach appears conflicted about it and you sense 
may have had the decision to put him at the top of the order somewhat foisted upon him. Yes. Because it, it, all of his language suggests he might, might as well preface it by going, well, it wasn't my idea, but... He's because taken every opportunity to say yeah. Jason Roy's a long-term four or five, yeah. hasn't he? We don't Very need a four so. or five, though, do we? It's, it's another one that's just going to be shunted into that middle order. Well, if you... 12 okay, so... Joe Denley appears to be, uh, you know, he's the sacrificial everything at the moment. I feel a bit sorry yeah. for Joe Denley. I too as well, yeah. You know, he's done okay. Um, he's not done brilliantly. He's done okay. But, you know, he's keeping, he's keeping the bench warm. Well, for landed more than okay and he got quite Jettison. Well, he's now been cast as, a, as an away tool specialist. So Which maybe Darwin Milan comes back into South Africa. Shit, but that's another story. I mean, he's very, very good. But it's, I'm sorry, it's, it's a yeah, totally yeah, wrong. As I say, this is not the England selection podcast. And we do have a fairly serious matter uh, to discuss but we'll move on from that but yeah uh, Joffre Archer um, we look forward to seeing your work uh, throughout your hopefully long and illustrious uh, international career in all formats uh, well um, it's a, it is a more serious matter to, to finish on and it was damage done by Joffre Archer to the man who was the best test batsman in the world before he got banned and still is oh, oh my oh, god <laughs> Smith has got in a <laughs> complete and utter mess with that. He's he's, uh, he's, he's been poorluxed. Yes. He's <laughs> Don't worry, um, he's he's okay. He is like, you know, um, I'm conscious. Not sh- I'm not sure he is, but that was flush on the helmet as he went to the offside, saw it was short, tried to duck away from it, and in fact oh. just ducked into it. And God. everyone is around him straight away as he goes straight to ground. And the. Australian team out on the balcony looking on, looking slightly concerned. Well, if he's got concussion, he has to go off. Prophetic words from War Jackie Cunningham, but uh, in a piece of commentary, it wasn't quite it wasn't quite immediately obvious where it hit him, and unfortunately it didn't hit him flush in the helmet. It hit him on the back of the neck, possibly where the stem guard would have been, possibly not, but it meant that Steve Smith uh, was concussed and um, before we get on to the ramifications of it in concussion substitutes, are you with me that it was absolutely ridiculous that he came back out? I am, and I think if we look if we look at the concussion sub thing as a whole, we have to say that it's a move in the right direction. Correct. It's about time cricket sorted it sorted it out when it came to concussion, and it's a very very difficult thing to have a, a, a policy on because it's an injury that is sometimes invisible that you sometimes don't even know you have yet as was the case with Steve and your, Smith. Your, your sporting instincts will be like a boxer who's just been put down on the canvas let me get up and have a go at him it's still <coughs> you're the worst one the, the, the concussee is the worst one to judge absolutely now which is precisely why the policy's been put in place well, th- th- this is my only problem if we zoom out a little bit and say did it work Labashane coming in as a sub yes it did it 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 wasn't perfect, uh, but it worked. It's good that they've got a policy. It's a step in the right direction. But Smith coming out was ludicrous, and we only really found out how ludicrous the next day when we found out he did, in fact, have concussion. And this is the difficult Which thing. Which is precisely why I say it's so ludicrous, because delayed concussion is a very common symptom. About 30% of cases where someone gets concussed, they get a sort of, a sort of second wave of it, and you don't know at the time. And that's not that's far too big a risk to take. You know, what it happened what would have happened if he'd not shouldered arm to Chris Wilkes and had to face Joffrey Archer in that state? Something absolutely horrific could have happened. Absolutely. You mentioned it a minute ago, Knackle. We we asked why this uh, new concussion sub regulation has been brought in. And one of the reasons is it's to encourage players to admit they have them. 
and to not carry on batting and to not go back out. You can say, look, your, your team aren't going to be penalised because you can have another player. And they, if, if that rule is in place, which it is now, the concussed, the concussed player will say, that's fine, I will go off. But that did not work, did it? Because well, there he was. Well, I think you just need to be, honestly, I think it, it, the rules need to be more stringent, more clearly documented... Uh, and allow more time for recovery, which would be in line with a number of other sports. I think um, there's been debate around whether it should be taken out the hands of the team doctors. I would, no. be, well, I would be perfectly on board with that. I, I don't, I, I'm not sure I agree with that at all, because frankly, you're, you're, you're impugning the professionalism of the medical profession if you say they're bendable. They're, they, they, I do not believe they would be. Um, they just need stricter rules in a way to to operate within um, do you control the the amount of bouncers I've even heard discuss, you know talk about overreaction um, you'd stop the bouncer as a weapon no we've been had this debate a million times before you might as well dance around and prod each other with sticks of candy floss awarding marks for artistic impression you do not yeah, take we, the we had, out the that, game that discussion was had in the 70s when the West Indies so were no. playing well, it <laughs> happened after Phil Hughes and died. after Bodyline yeah. Bodyline was the first real change where, where they had to get rid of leg theory so it's already yeah. happened so I agree with you although leg theory has kind of it, it, you, you have a limitation to men behind the bat on the, on the leg side but it still happens and you can't bowl six bouncers and over anymore it still happens so oh, those two law changes are, are brilliant and it may, it's yeah. made test cricket an Absolutely. even better game uh, I totally agree with you you can't get rid of bouncers so, so I think that the, the deal uh, no, is one, no one is seriously well only idiots are only, only people that don't really know about cricket it's recovery time and it's better documentation of the need for that recovery time concussion substitutes is a brilliant step in the right direction um, so I, I 100% agree with that it's faster development of equipment I mean don't forget there was a time in, let's take another sport, I don't know, Formula One motor racing. To be honest, a, a driver, and it was awful, awful. A driver died like twice a season and sometimes yeah. more. And now look um, at, at how the, 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 the advancement in the technology has um, protected For, the driver. Formula the same one. needs to happen and can happen with helmets. The fact that you know, after the, the tragic, awful uh, uh, death in, of, of Philip Hughes, you know, they, they sort of hastily put together those what they, the, the stem guards, the stem guard, I think yeah. they're called. Um, some players say, well, they're just too uncomfortable, including Steve Smith, by the way, says, oh, they put me off my game. And you know, he's a very fastidious kind of, you know, he's got the little thing that upsets his bubble, as they call it, would, would, he doesn't want. Technology is technology's job, and God knows we have it, to advance the equipment that players wear to keep up with uh, it. One thing you should never do is compromise the competitiveness of the game. No, you, know, you need to advance the 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 the, 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 the kind of the, the rules, the regulations, and the equipment with which it's played. Not restrict the way that it. And that, might, that might be the other positive that comes out of this incident is that helmets are going to get another look, aren't they? They're going to look at whether they can extend that stem guard or bring it further around the front of the neck, which is where, where Smith was hit. In my opinion, it was it, the, I think the it stem card may not have even I helped. think it was too low for the stem guard. Yeah. But yeah. I, I heard Travis Head talking afterwards that he said that he used to find it uncomfortable, but he was going to now bat with it after that incident. We've heard a number of players say it's initially uncomfortable, but you stop noticing it after a while. Like I think they're going to be made mandatory fairly soon, and I think, they, I think that's quite right. I think it's too big a risk to take. And I've heard a, most players that I've heard say, you know, you stop noticing it after 
after a while. You know, like anything, you know, people took a while to adjust to wearing helmets in the first place. People took a little bit of time to adjust to wearing a grill. That's a much bigger adjustment, I think, than uh, than wearing the neck, the stem guards, and it. You know, that was specifically put in place to stop uh, those those vital uh, veins and arteries be- and those nerves being hit at the back of the neck, which caused the horrific. Um, so the horrific severity of the injury to Phil Hughes. You yeah. can't mitigate, you can't remove all risk from the game. You're still going to have players hit every now and again. What you can do is minimise the uh, minimise the consequences of um, yeah. of of those incidents when they do when they do happen. Mercifully, Smith is okay. But I think just going back to the independent doctor's point, I'm not at all impugning doctors here. What I am saying is, if it's a team doctor, it is more likely. And we've seen this in football. We saw this with the Jose Mourinho case with Eva Carnera, the Chelsea doctor. Who that those stood doc- by her ethics yes. and resigned or, 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 said, or, or wanted nothing to do quite, with quite. what she was being but, manipulated to do. But it is easier for the team to ignore someone and overrule someone if they are a member of that team and essentially a subservient employee of that same board. You're more likely, I think, to be put under pressure to keep someone out there. I think the Australian doctor, Richard Saw in the physio, did a really good job persuading Smith to come off. And ultimately, you know, you, you were talking about, Fred, you know, about the player. It isn't in the player's hands. In the regulations as they are, the concussion regulations as they are, and this is something that Cricket Australia led the way on. Cricket Australia's policy is very clear about that, which was adopted by the ICC. The doctor is the sole arbiter. And I, I, it I, is yeah. not in the players' hands. I feel sorry for Richard Sorin that I think he did, a, a, like you said, a great job getting well, Smith off the field. The Hippocratic oath, for goodness sake. But sure, but it's he <laughs> did three concussion tests on Steve Smith, and he passed all of them. And th- this is why it's so difficult. He should not have gone back onto the field because we knew that he did have concussion, but there were no signs. Because of Because he yet. was operating within a false, a wrong framework. That so does didn't them, just accept so, so that the, the time was needed. Yes, absolutely. There's, the another, needs to there's another example here, though. And moments later, in, well, not moments later, a day later, Labashain was hit right in the grill by Archer, and he went down as well. And it turns out he was fine because the helmet did its job. So, you know, that's Ditto when Labashain was hit in the nets Abs- earlier yes, this absolutely. week by Steve Smith. But in that instance, when Lab- Labashain was hit, second ball when he was on zero, out comes Richard Saw again. And says, "Are oh, you all right?" He passes the concussion test. He can bat on. But how did we? How do we know at that point? Labashain isn't going to wake up 24 hours later with concussion. We don't know. But he was allowed to bat on. So it's really hard to get this right because we don't know when concussion will actually show that it's there. And it's very, very difficult to 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 think up a one-size-fits-all rule for something that is is so different in each for in sure each uh, you know 30 percent is a lot but it's not every time i think we know well enough that grills work well enough that they dissipate the force away from the head that concussion is very unlikely mm. it is a much different case when someone's hit on the side of the head or the back of the head or somewhere where the helmet isn't protecting i agree with you tony i think the the with this the regulation has to the regulations have to take greater account of delayed concussion so maybe you put a thing in saying that as a precautionary measure, if someone is hit and taken off as a regard to concussion, they cannot take any further part in that day's play. Well, I think yes, because you need to you need to give those concussions the next day and to give those symptoms time to again, emerge or I'm not. I'm not a medical expert, but you cited the 30% of cases where the effect can be delayed. Many sports they they have a two to three week reintegration process. Rugby back and into hockey. The sport. Admittedly, well, hockey the closer uh, analogy I suppose with cricket, rugby is 100% full-on physical contact, isn't it? Um, and hockey, less so. And they have the they have the same thing. So 
I think you take it out of the players' hands, you give the doctors better support by giving a, a, a more stringent framework around the time that a player is allowed to rest and not let the, not let the player put pressure back on the doctor. The, the only thing we disagree on, Knackle, is you take it out the team doctor's hands I would support the team doctor because uh, the, you'd never, you'd I, never do otherwise. I, I would, I would have the ICC. I would prefer the ICC to fund independent doctors. There is another reason for that, and you know, all of these things. I think uh, it's correct that we debate them, and it's correct that we go through the whys and wherefores. There is another thing that was, I think, put to me by Bertus de Jong, who's a, a Dutch a cricket journalist on Twitter. A lot of teams actually can't afford their own doctor to travel with them. The ICC have the funding. Yeah. The ICC have the funding to have doctors at every game and every tournament. Well, uh, you, you, yeah, as many sports do. I mean, again, I'll take the motor racing analogy. Uh, every motor racing team will have its doctor, but you're looking at such a, a broad area <laughs> that you have to have, you know, guaranteed safety. And also, standards. but also, all Formula One teams are rich, even the poor ones. That's certainly not the case well, for all yeah, cricket boards. True. Um, yeah, exactly there are still some grey areas about the rule itself. You can nominate the player. If a batsman goes down, you can nominate an all-rounder to replace him, but he can't bowl, things like that. Yeah. And these well, that's up to the match referee. It is up to the match referee, but these, these things will play out and we will get these controversies where someone's going, hang on a minute, he can't replace him and whatever. So it's a, te it's a teething process. I'm glad the rule exists, uh, and we've got an early example of it in action. It wasn't perfect, but it's definitely a step in the right direction. And there's one more thing to say, which is when Steve Smith came back out, I was sucked into the drama of it all. It was such brilliant theatre. And I said, wow, what a brave guy. There he is, marching yeah, yeah. back That's back part out of the problem. Try, exactly. But I fell for it. And part of the problem is these old pros continuing this narrative as, oh, I used to face Malcolm Marshall and uh, Andy Roberts with no helmet and he knocked four on my teeth well, out. That's got to stop. And we've got to be looking around. And I'm guilty because I, I, I was there saying, look, isn't he, isn't he tough? Yeah, isn't he manly and all this too. stuff? But we've got to start saying, isn't he an idiot for going back out? Or someone, That's the narrative. We need to. Uh, some uh, of that has actually happened. I heard Michael Atherton saying in the week, you know, people facing Lillian Thompson in the West Indian fastballs without helmets. What were they thinking? And someone else pointed out that, you know, uh, it says a lot about the male psyche that they thought to protect their genitals 100 years before they thought to protect their head. <laughs> and, good. you know, there is a, that, isn't of, that sort of that toxic masculine machismo, that bravery thing, that tough it out, suck it up thing which means that players are lauded for doing potentially really stupid things. Yeah. When, and as you say, Tony, making that decision when they're in precisely the worst possible, possible state, state to, to make, make that it. decision. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, I agree. That, but that changing the culture of male sports fans and male athletes is, uh, is going to take, take a hell of a long time if it ever happens. I, I, I but in the short term, we can take these protective measures and make sure that no one dies or has serious injuries. Absolutely. And... The bravado can still be there. The machismo, I, I like sometimes. You know, when someone gets hit or hurt and they play on and they tough it out, that's great. But when it's a serious thing like concussion, that's what needs to change. People don't realise how serious concu concussion can be. Let's remember what concussion is. It is your brain hitting the inside of your skull. Yeah. Just think about that for a second. And I think, think about what that must do. The, the brain is an incredibly delicate organ. And we've seen, uh, ironically in NFL, which is a sport which hasn't taken concussion very seriously over the years, but... Chronic traumatic encephalopathy, which is brain damage caused by repeated head trauma. And we've seen it in football uh, a little bit with players who used to head the ball a lot. There was hot Jeff, Jeff Astle. Being yes, horrible cases of uh, horrific uh, uh, brain injury. We've seen it in boxing a lot with many, many boxers developing Parkinson's and other symptoms. We've seen it in the NFL. There was a case of Javon Belcher who um, 
basically had his personality completely changed by repeated head trauma and being put back out there too quickly after repeated concussions and head trauma. And, you know, his mental state deteriorated to the, to the, uh, to the point of murder-suicide. Uh, and, you know, in cricket, in another case, Mark Vermeulen, uh, the Zimbabwean batter, who was had his fra- skull fractured by a bouncer, then had another head trauma not that long afterwards. And, again, his, his personality was changed to the point where he had such severe mental uh, difficulties and such severe uncontrollable aggression, you know, he ended up committing an act of arson. And, you yeah. know, people have laughed about that ever since, you know, that guy who burned down in the academy, but it's incredibly serious. That's the other point to make. Head injuries aren't funny. And there's a lot going around on Twitter about this is Steve Smith waking up in the morning, you know, and, and there's a gif of a guy going dizzy and, oh, I've just or been that's out. A, or that's one way to get him out. Yeah, well, exactly. And you think, no, that, that's got to stop. There's no way you can stop idiots posting things on Twitter but the narrative has to change and I just I'm an optimist I think this whole incident will help move the narrative on and it's only a month ago that this concussion sub law came in so it might be I hope a good thing that the the law is in place and we've had an incident very quickly with with the world's top player or one of the best yeah that shouldn't matter but of course it it does it, it does though doesn't it it it, it means that everybody was watching and everybody was watching that spell. And my God, how memorable was it? But I, I just hope people remember it for the right reasons and learn from what in happened. A, in a way, it would have been better if that spell, that des- spell deserved to, you know, have, um, you know, Cesar's middle stump ripped out of the ground by a booming inswinger because then we remember it for the incredible spell that it was rather than it's, you know, not tragic, thankfully, but uh, painful and discom- uncomfortable. And the final thing that I'll say about this actually is one thing where the pr- protocols have been put in place, and this is, I think, possibly, I think this is an Australia protocol, is that they have this very st- stringent set of criteria that you have to pass to get to get back into play the next test. It's you have to be able to train properly. You have to be able to face very fast bowling. And they said there just wasn't time for that to happen. We cannot play him in the third test, even though, you know, there is a test series to win, and you want your best players out there, and all of that stuff. And you know, we saw in the first test, you know. You know, quite apart from the risk of, you know, as England did with Jimmy Anderson, the first test you lose him for four, you bowl him for four overs, then he breaks down, you don't have him, you're playing with ten players. You know, Jimmy Anderson will recover from his calf, he already has. You know, no one knows really what the long-term consequences of any given head injury could be. And it's, I think Andy Ward said it uh, during commentary, you, you can get away with concussion, but it's the second blow that does the real damage. And the first one makes the second one more likely. But exactly. And so that's why it has to be taken seriously. And I just hope, I hope the game just learns very quickly. It, it's good that, like I said, it's good that we've got this law, but I just hope we learn from it. Well, I hope we already are. And I think we already are. And um, yes, uh, concussion subs in the bud, uh, as, as far as, as we are concerned. Well, that about wraps it up here on the uh, Gorilla Cricket uh, podcast, unless, Tony, you had any final, so final no, no, words. I think we've said it all. So, uh, three wonderful test matches that we hope to see unfolding in front of us over the next uh, four days at Headingley uh, in Colombo and in Antigua. Uh, uh, that is all from here, us here at the Guerrilla Cricket Podcast. Thank you to Real Fred Genoway. Thank you to uh, Tony Bishop. Uh, thank you to J- John Stone who produces this. Remember, you can get the podcast before anyone else at patreon.com forward slash Guerrilla Cricket. Signing up and uh, pledging uh, any fee you want. Uh, any level of pledge gets you early access to that podcast. Uh, for everyone else, it's on iTunes. It's on Acast. It's on Spotify. It's on Podbean. 
please do uh, leave us a five-star review. Please do share us with your friends and please do send in feedback about uh, the podcast uh, until uh, next week. Or, oh, in fact, the one thing I should say before we go is that uh, uh, Tony's podcast duties are not done for this week. Yesterday, the second episode of our county podcast, Gorilla Show, was recorded, uh, whereas this podcast will be going out on Thursday night for patrons and Friday morning for uh, iTunes, uh, Spotify, Podbean and Acast. Gorilla Show uh, will uh, be going out on Friday night for patrons and Saturday morning uh, for iTunes, Acast, Spotify and Podbean this week. Tony Bishop was joined by Paul Howarth talking about Somerset and Dave Brook talking about Sussex. So uh, cricket never sleeps and neither do we here at Gorilla Cricket. Please do subscribe to the Gorilla Cricket podcast if you have not already and uh, join us again next time. Goodbye. Goodbye all. Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.